I'm going to read from my notes because everybody knows me and I tend to talk really fast and ramble and I'm really nervous. So, <laughs> um, There were so many ways that God spoke and showed himself through me through the Mexico trip that it was very difficult to pick one subject for me to speak on. <clears throat> it was like a lifetime of Sunday morning sermons that came to life in 3D. In preparing for the trip, fear was a huge stumbling block for me. When I was in high school, I felt the calling to go into overseas ministries. <clears throat> My family was fearful for me to go and forbid me to even entertain the thought. Through the years, I turned down continued invites to go on mission trips. I was afraid I would come back discontented with my current life and reminded daily of my mistake. What I didn't realize is that that was old news to my Heavenly Father. He had forgiven me many years ago, but I had not forgiven myself. He had went before me and had planned out many details of my life. He provided me with a husband that loves me and loves people as much as I do and allows our home to be our mission field. That throughout our life, he had been bringing the mission field to me through friends, loved ones, businesses, BBS, BHIN, and other opportunities to be a missionary. I never missed my calling, and in his loving kindness, he brought it to me. What a beautiful gift to be given in the middle age of life. <laughs> Peace and contentedness with life. was His timing was perfect, and what a love. The gift wrapping on the present was watching Megan and Solomon in Mexico. Through God's grace, he broke the cycle of fear in our family by giving us the courage to allow Megan to go to school in Mexico at the tender age of 18. It was such a blessing as a mom to know and see your children in God's will. 1 John 4:18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect love. The hardest lesson that I did witness down there was that there was never enough water, food, shoes, or socks, or anything. This was especially evident to me on bath day. The families walked for miles just to get a small bag of rice and produce, as well as bring their children to get their feet and hair washed. The lines were so long, it was very overwhelming to see. I was in the station that washed the children's feet, and about three-fourths of the way through, we ran out of new socks, and I often had to put shoes back on children that were so small that they were leaving sores on their feet. There was nothing I could do but say sorry and hug them. <clears throat> they were still happy, though, and they never complained or cried. All the people we served, even in the dump, were so happy with what little we had to give. They felt loved and valued. Why we couldn't give them all the material things they needed, we could love them. 1 Corinthians 13.3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed, the, to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. I want to leave you with the thoughts that no matter where you are in your life or what decisions you have made, God is with you. You just have to trust him and face your fears with him, and that no matter how little you have to give, it will be enough for God to use. You just have to trust him. He will never leave you. And I just want to say thank you to all, everyone who loved on us, supported us, and prayed for us. I especially want to thank my husband for giving me the blessing to go and my girls the, the encouragement that they had to give me and all my friends and family that kept things together while I was gone. Thank you.
Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Allison Clemens, and this was my first missions trip. I had an amazing week in Tijuana. I saw God in so many ways, and it was so it was rewarding to serve the people of Tijuana and let God use me to show his love. God not only showed me lessons through the labor I did, but also through the hardships I faced. I spent the last day of the trip sick in the dorm while the group went to work on Carlos's home. I was upset that I would miss the last day of activities with the group I had grown so close to. Once they left, I went upstairs and completed my devotional for the day and thought, now what? I was surprised with everything I learned that day. I was given time to analyze our trip with Mama Myers and talk about how the trip would help us on our walks with God. One thing that really hit me that day was how much all the people around me had trusted God that week. I saw people that had so little. They lived in one-room shacks, and yet they would tell us that they believed in Christ, and they knew that he would make sure things would always turn out for the better. I realized that there are a lot of areas in my life where I need to trust in God more, to let him take control of the situation and try not to fix everything by myself. God knows that our faith can only be strengthened when we exercise it. He can do this easily by putting us through trials that stretch our faith and push us towards him, making us stronger believers and giving us endurance for future hardships we may face. It allows him to use us to pass along comfort and encouragement to others, just like it says in 2 Corinthians 4. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us, something we did over and over in Mexico, not only to the people we met, but to our team. We all had a moment of difficulty, and we turned to him to give us strength so we could push through and continue to do his work. Because of those strains, we all came back stronger in our faith. I'm a busy, constantly on-the-go kind of person that hates being sick. But by the end of that day, I didn't care as much that I got sick and missed the last day with my team. I was glad that God gave me an opportunity to think about the trip and think about the changes he wanted me to make before I returned home and jumped right back into my busy schedule. I saw God everywhere in Mexico because I took the time to, something I don't always do when I'm at home. I will now be conscious of times that I need to slow down and look to God. I'm so thankful that I got to be a part of this trip, and that taught me so much. Hi, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Ethan, I'm 15, and this was my first year on the Mexico team. Um, for most of the people in the group, they were impacted by places we went and things they saw, but for me, it was more of a characteristic in me, characteristic in me that I saw that I needed to change. This characteristic was pride. Um, this trip especially showed me how when I was serving people, I was doing it for the wrong reasons, like always thinking about did I say the right thing, or do people on the team think I'm a good servant? In our devotions during the week, Kevin had really encouraged us to try and have humility and not think about ourselves, but to put others first. I didn't really realize it till later in the week that the whole time I had been thinking about not thinking about myself, that I was always worrying about what I said and if I was really showing God's love to the other people, or just giving them food to make myself look better in their eyes and in the team members. And God kind of just slapped me upside the face and showed me that that's not what humility is about. God showed me that it's not about thinking lowly of yourself or not thinking about yourself necessarily. It's about looking for ways to build other people up and serve others with the intentions of giving God all the glory. So kind of from that moment on, I made a decision not only to think about 
not think about myself, but to constantly look for ways to serve others and ultimately God. One of the verses of humility from our devotions was Philippians 3.3, 3, for, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put in no confidence in the flesh. Thank you for your prayers and financial support for me and the rest of the team. It was a great week. Well, you might notice I'm not wearing a tie this morning. This is a jersey that I got from the team as a thank you, and it was really nice. It is a Mexico jersey, so it's all right. Um, but every year, every year the team goes down to Mexico, people come back sick, either from drinking the water, you can't drink the water, um, from drinking the water a little bit, or eating food where the chefs don't wash their hands, or you know, just living in close quarters with 30 other people. It's, it's bound to happen. And lots of people came back sick this year. And even I, I don't know, I haven't been feeling right since I got back quite. But, you know, this trip, I found out, is well worth the risk of physical sickness. Because while we were down there, we were focused on getting rid of a debilitating spiritual disease that is much worse than the flu or nausea, the disease of pride. I call it a spiritual disease because pride poisons every part of our soul and spirit, and if it's unchecked, it will eventually lead to spiritual death. The disease of pride infects our hands so that we can only serve ourselves. It clouds our eyes so that we can no longer fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, but it turns our eyes so that all we can see are things going on in our life. It darkens our hearts so that all we do is worship ourselves as the center of the universe. And the ironic thing about pride is that, and the sad thing, really, is that the more pride you have, the harder it is to see in yourself. That's because this spiritual disease particularly affects our minds. It totally distorts and skews how we see things, and it leaves us two steps removed from reality and from truth. It makes us think wrongly about God, as if God were just a big bully who's waiting to get us for every little mistake we make. Or another common one where we think wrongly about God is that he's just there to love us and be some kind of Santa Claus and give us gifts. Pride makes us think wrongly about other people, as if they're not worthy of our full attention and they're just there to use for their money or their body or their praise. And pride also makes us think wrongly about ourselves, Pride is a misunderstanding of who you are and of your own importance in this world. Our culture has tried to lessen the evil of pride by limiting, limiting it only to boasting and arrogance, but those are only the common and probably less serious symptoms of pride. Even people who have low self-esteem and people who despise themselves can be very prideful. Why? because they're still completely lost in themselves, completely lost in themselves and obsessed with their problems. Pride is, at its root, complete selfishness and self-centeredness that leaves no room for God or for other people. We are left only to satisfy our ambitions, achieve our goals, build up our kingdom. Pride only allows us to be concerned with our agenda and our own feelings. 
The disease of pride has many symptoms. Do you have an anger problem? Anger is the natural reaction when your pride is attacked. Are you often impatient with people? Impatience shows that the other person is less important to you than your comfort and time. Do you often gossip? Gossip indicates that you're willing to make other people look bad in order to make yourself feel good or interesting. Are you critical of other people? Criticism is usually an attempt to raise yourself up by tearing other people down. Are you discontent often and unthankful? A proud person can't be thankful for anything that he has, at least not for very long. He can only want and expect more. Pride is what causes me to get upset and complain when things don't go the way that I wanted them to or planned them to. All complaining comes from pride. Pride only allows me to see other people's faults, and it hides from my eyes their gifts and their talents and their virtues and their strengths. When I hear a good report about someone else, pride causes me to be jealous of them rather than happy for them. It makes me offended when someone criticizes me rather than learning from my mistake. It causes me to presume that bad things should never happen to me, even though Jesus said and promised that they would. It makes me ask, what did I do to deserve this pain or this problem? On the other hand, pride twists us into thinking that I do deserve a good job, even if millions of other people are unemployed. That I'm entitled to a nice house and a new car, and that it would be out of place if I didn't have new clothes and the newest technology. Pride is what causes us to nod in righteous agreement and even anger about how prideful and arrogant our family members and our co-workers and our world is, and yet not realize that we are very terribly prideful ourselves. We recognize it in everyone else, and we hate them for it. But we can't see it in ourselves. No one hates a show-off or an arrogant person more than someone who is very proud and arrogant themselves. Pride is terrible. Pride is the cause of almost all of our relationship problems. Pride separates us. It keeps us distinct from one another. It hurts us. It won't allow for any grace or encouragement or forgiveness. It just won't allow it. Pride is the greatest evil, the most wicked sin. All that it allows for is complete selfishness and self-centeredness. In short, pride causes us to think that we are God. Wasn't that Adam and Eve's great sin in the garden? It wasn't just eating some fruit that God told them not to eat. They ate the fruit because the serpent told them that it would make them like God. Pride causes us to worship and serve ourselves rather than the creator of the universe. It makes us think that the universe revolves around us, that we exist for ourselves. But this is a truth that we always must keep in the forefront of our minds. We did not create ourselves, and we do not exist for ourselves. Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We, just like the rest of the universe, exist for God. So why is it 
that we can go from the day of our birth to the day of our death, being constantly and only concerned with our own affairs. We just assume, without anyone telling us, that we exist for ourselves because we have been infected with the spiritual disease of pride. Pride is the source of most of our sins, of anger, of jealousy, of a critical spirit, impatience, discontentment, even lust comes from pride, in a way. But if pride is the source of all kinds of sins, then humility is the source and foundation of all kinds of good things, of love, of patience, of faith, of obedience, of gentleness, especially of wisdom. There is no such thing as true faith or honest love or real obedience without humility. I like the way that C.S. Lewis puts it in Mere Christianity. He says, Do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be a sort of greasy, smarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, he is nobody. Probably all that you'll think about him is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. If you do dislike him, it will be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. I like that. Humility is not thinking less of yourself than you ought. It's not thinking about yourself at all. As William Temple puts it, humility does not mean, having, does not mean thinking less of yourself than of other people. Nor does it mean having a low opinion of your own gifts. It means freedom from thinking about yourself one way or the other at all. Humility is freedom. It sets us free from the small, cramped little cage that is our life. See, only a humble person is humble enough to forget himself and give his his attention to anything but himself, including God. Humility is looking at yourself the way that God looks at you, looking at others the way that God looks at them, and looking at God the way he really is. Pride distorts our mind, but humility makes us see things clearly. A humble person looks at other people the way God looks at them, and so he can love them for who they are, not just for what they can do for him. A humble person is able to trust in God because he realizes that he is very weak and in need of help. He obeys because he can see that God's will and God's desires are better than his own. If there is one thing, if there is one thing that all of us need, it is more humility. And this, I think, was the true beauty of our trip to Mexico this year. I saw the team at their best. I saw them like I'd never seen them before. I didn't hear them complain from the whole trip. Once, we went to places that smelled terrible. We did incredibly hard work. We woke up extremely early, which kids hate to do. And they didn't hear them complaining. I witnessed them encouraging one another and pointing out the good deeds and the qualities of other people without prompting. They were serving people with God's strength. They were loving each other with God's grace. 
They left their daily routines. They left their goals at home. In a manner of speaking, they left themselves at home. They purposely took a dose of humility. And I think for this reason, it was the best week of the year for many of us. It really was. It's not like we were on vacation. It's not like we were constantly being entertained. We were always on the go. We were always working hard. But we were living completely for God and not for ourselves. And that is when life is good. When we stepped out of our own life, we were able to see reality more clearly. We saw other people. We saw that there are other people in this world. People who are suffering from extreme poverty and need. More than I think many of us could have imagined. So, We met orphaned children who were so desperate for attention and for love. We saw God more clearly. We understood that even in that dark place, God is still working. We saw his great love and his concern for the people there. We saw even in the darkest places, some of our team went to the red light district where there's prostitutes and drugs constantly going on. Even there, there was a church in the middle of the street. At the dump where there's so much darkness and so much pain, there's a church made of plywood there that somebody had had made. And and Becca told the testimony earlier that there's a woman there and the pastor would come every day and carry her because she didn't have a leg to the church so that she could go. You know, even there, God had a light. And I think many of us were extremely humbled by what we experienced in Mexico. Not least because we saw clearly our own selfishness and obsession with the things that were going on in our own life. For myself, I came back with the intention to obey what it says in Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. I want to be the type of person who can step outside of myself and into the lives of others. I want to really listen to other people. I want to take an interest in them and in their lives. I want to be less selfish with my time. I want to be less selfish towards my wife. I want to truly love others. And humility is the only soil that love can grow out of. This is what our Lord Jesus did for us. He did not come to earth out of selfish ambition. He did not come out of vain conceit. This was a downgrade for him. He came for us, not for himself. Jesus is God. He had all the riches of the universe at his fingertips and all things under his control. Yet, though he was rich, for your sakes, he became poor. We should have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Isn't that strange? We, though we are human, 
have pridefully set ourselves up as God in our own lives. Jesus, though he is the immortal, all-powerful God, humbled himself to human likeness and to death on a cross for our sakes. But because he was perfectly humble, he was able to perfectly love us. If your goal is to be like Jesus, it does not start by being wise like him. It does not start by being powerful like him. It starts by being humble like him. You must step down from the throne that you have set yourself up on and start living for someone who is bigger than yourself. You must lose your life, your ambitions, your image, your comfort, your time. You must lose your life for him, and then you will find it. Let's pray. Lord, you have been good to us despite our pride. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to me and to everyone else here the areas where we have pride that's keeping us from you and keeping us from other people. I thank you for this Mexico trip, Lord, and for everybody who went on it. I thank you for what you did, and I pray that you'd help them to remember what you did there and what it was like there, Lord. I pray that you would give us grace and give us humility in whatever fashion you so desire. Amen. Would you please stand?